Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the HTTH podcast. It's been a while since we've gotten one of these things up. Um, graduation's coming up, finishing all the finals things that we've had to deal with. But we're back. The HTTH podcast. We got a we got a full panel for you today. Josh is back with us after taking the last few episodes off to deal with all his school stuff coming down the stretch. Little housekeeping. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at Mark Tinsley Jr. James is at JRHAL92. Josh over there is at I'm Josh Heath. Follow Brian at BT5042. Follow the podcast at the HTTH podcast. Boys, it's it's been a busy weekend, a real busy weekend. Yeah. Um, and now with May upon us, it's really busy. Yeah. We got NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs. Pretty big fight happened last night. I'll let you guys talk about that in a yeah. bit. I didn't watch too much of it. Um, NFL draft is finally over. Yeah, we can stop hearing about Marcus Mariota and Jameis Winston and crab legs and good character <laughs> and off and the field situations and potential and high motor and and Mayweather Pacquiao. Yeah, every everything kind of intersects during May. And then June hits, and it just like Pacquiao basically. getting off of his tour bus. Yeah, everything. Yeah, I mean, that fight. Everything, everything Sports Center did was about that fight. Had it not been, you know, just like hyped up over the years, it probably wouldn't have had the same amount of disappointment from people. Yeah, I mean. People waited five years for it. So. Because it wasn't as bad as people are making it out to be, to be honest. Yeah. And then, Red, this is a pretty big month for you. Yeah. And Josh as well. You guys are race fans. Yeah. Um, the track, IMS, is going to be a hot spot for a lot of people this month, starting today with yeah. opening, opening day, day over at IMS. Yeah. Next, uh, next weekend is a big second annual GP of Indy. Um, be interesting to see. Now that all the drivers have raced it once, how they attack it, and then uh, on from there to the big 500 Memorial Day weekend. And racing is in full effect as well. Yeah, I mean, everything about it, summertime, and summertime's coming, so every form of racing's at full gear right now. Got Talladega today. Yeah, and horse racing as well. Horse Triple racing, Crown biggest uh, biggest event in horse racing, arguably the big, the biggest, best Two minutes in all of sports yeah. yesterday with the Kentucky Derby. Uh, I should have sent out a flyer for everyone that I picked Carpe Diem because <laughs> I picked Carpe Diem. Yeah, we wish uh, you would have. Everyone probably would have cleared their bets. Absolutely. Um, he did not win. American nope. Pharaoh, the favorite of the race, ended yeah. up winning it. We'll see if we can get the first triple crown runner since probably the turn of the century, it feels like. Yeah, it feels like um, it. Every year we get a, oh, there's a hopeful, and then he's not hopeful anymore. Back to next year. So – just all in all to tie that all together, just a lot to talk about. Yeah. So we're, I'm sitting around at um, the Tinsley Mansion <laughs> on um, Thursday night, just waiting for 29 to finally roll around at about, oh, 11 o'clock or so. And Goodell walks out to the podium and – I'm expecting I I'm expecting a defensive tackle because one fell all the way to the Colts that was a pretty high player on multiple boards. Yeah. And when Goodell ran up there and said Philip Dorsett, I said, "Huh? 
Colts took a receiver. And at first my reaction was probably capital WTF. <laughs> I think it was for all of us. Um, good. I'm trying to just, like, relive the moment I heard it or read it on Twitter. And I was so mad. I, w- I just – I couldn't believe it that Malcolm Brown from Texas – who a lot of people said was was a top 15 player and probably the second best D tackle behind Danny Shelton, fell to pick 29. We can't stop the team in uh, Massachusetts to save our lives running. And could have got a guy that clogged the middle up, but now we went with a uh, 4-2-5 running Philip Dorsett. That said, um, pick's grown on me. It's not a, a bad pick. It's just, it's still, it wasn't the best pick, in my opinion. So, the Colts take probably the sixth or seventh receiver for the roster. Mm-hmm. And the day after, a lot like you, I examined the pick. I, it went over and over in my head. And my take on it was, A, you can't teach how fast this kid runs. No. B, Grigson probably looked at his draft board and said he has two and a half receivers on the roster. Mm -hmm. You got, of course, Andre Johnson, one of the greatest ever. Not going to be that here. No. You got T.Y. Hilton, one of the best up-and-coming receivers. Yep. And you got half, which was Dante Moncrief, Mm -hmm. who's shown a lot of flashes, but at the end of the day is more of – he is a wide receiver, but he's more of a – one or two plays a game guy. Yeah. Where you're not going to be able to leave him out there and play like other wide receivers in the league as far as throwing him the ball and having I mean he's had some games where he's had a lot of catches but he's still growing, he's still very raw as a player overall. He can't block. Um not saying Dorsett can block either because he's going to mm-hmm. be a guy that they're hoping, I'm assuming they're hoping he's going to be able to stretch the field. Mm-hmm. Um and You've heard comparisons for Dorsett to T.Y. Hilton and Antonio Brown, Josh's favorite receiver. If he's that, I mean, he got picked a lot higher than Antonio Brown. Yeah. Um, so I, the jury's the jury's out, still out on the pick, of course. He's said all the right things from tweets he sent out, letters he's sent out, interviews he's done about him wanting to hit the ground running, get in here, get the work in. Yeah. Um, that Those are all things you want to hear. But ultimately, we won't be able to figure this out until the season starts, until he gets on the field because, yeah. you know, this team last year could score. Couldn't score when it mattered the most. That's another thing that went into this because T.Y. Hilton has shown over and over and over that when it's the New England Patriots, he's going to get taken completely out of the game. Oh yeah. What is what do you guys think this says about their confidence and not only Dante Moncrief but you know bringing in Deron Carter and all that because there's a lot of hope or promise that a lot of people were talking about in him at first and then they just go out and draft another receiver. Well, they didn't draft him but signed him from the Canadian. You know, the thing league. I think about um Deron Carter was is was is he's if anything to me he's more of what Andre Johnson is going to be for this team mm-hmm. because he's a bigger receiver, 
I assume he has pretty good hands considering who his dad is. Um, he's not fast. I mean, he's he's not a burner. Yeah. He's going to be more of the possession guy. And Moncrief, I, I think, is still trying to figure out. There's There were games this year, multiple games this year, where he would have a game like he did, I think, against Pittsburgh, where he blew the coverage up. But then there'd be other games where he'd have – Zero fantasy points, meaning he had literally nothing. Yeah. Um, and I think they're looking at it as they want a third guy that you can put out there alongside T.Y., alongside Andre, to where you're not going to be able to double-team T.Y. and take him completely out of the yeah. game. Um, and I think with this kid, with his speed, with his ability to go up and go get the ball, I think that's going to eliminate – what New England does best with their defense with is able to hone in on someone and completely take them out of the game. Another thing that's going to help is you don't have Reggie Wayne on the team anymore who's basically a name guy with no talent. Yeah. Um, New England really paid no attention to him, and I think Reggie probably barely even played in that game. Uh, but, you know, a lot of people were flipping out about the pick, talking about how good the offense was, but – the last time we seen this offense on the field, they scored seven points. And you also got to start getting ready for – I think Andre Johnson only signed a two-year contract, didn't he? Yeah, two years. So, I mean, you have to start planning ahead for that too. I mean, you could have planned for that later in the draft, but at the end of the day, it wasn't as bad of a pick as, you know, we made it out to be at yeah, first. Yeah, it was um, – no, I try not to overreact, but I think we all might have just a little because of – might have just got caught in the moment, but – after a few days of sitting on I think we all agree that, you know, it could have been worse, but it wasn't the best still. And Mel Kuyper and McShay talked a lot about fans start freaking out when teams don't address needs mm -hmm. or quote-unquote needs that they think, you know, can't stop the run, passed up on a D tackle. Fans start freaking out about that kind of stuff. But, you know, the – Malcolm Brown didn't get picked up by a lot of other teams that were in need of a big fat guy in the middle. Yeah. So when you start looking at that, on top of the team that took him, that didn't help anything. Being the Patriots, yeah. I think fans started freaking out a little bit more. If some, if if the Packers would have taken him, if the Saints would have taken him at thirty-one, I don't think there would have been as much um, fans going crazy. I think on top of who picked him and the position, I think fans started freaking out a little bit. Yeah. Um, I mean, you also, fans also freaked out because it was Philip Dorsett and not one of the receiver names that they heard for the first round. Dorsett was, you know, for all the journalists that, you know, do 16 versions of the mock draft in the first week after the Super Bowl, he was easily a second rounder. So – I, it was a little shock that it was Philip Dorsett on top of not being a defensive tackle and all that stuff added up and it was it was a perfect storm against Grigson and the Colts. And I think another thing about it was a guy that Grigson basically drooled over at his press conference. The first um, media availability was Landon Collins, who was also sitting there. Yeah. And they passed on him. Ended so, up being the first pick in the second round. You know, I think – all those things combined 
made fans go a little bit crazy. But after you look at the draft, they addressed almost every need that they had that you mm -hmm. wanted them to see. They got a few D linemen to put in the mix. They got a safety yeah. who is uh, an aggressive safety who has okay ball skills. Yeah. Um, I'm a little worried about him more than any other pick. Uh, just from reading reports on him, it seems like they got rid of Laron Landry and got a guy that is a big-time hitter that can only play zone. So, hey, so uh, good thing for him is the bar is set really low. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He, I mean, he has no pressure he on him. He cannot so. do worse. Yeah. They got a running back who is, by all accounts, a good kid. Oh, yeah. Going to come in here and bust um, his tail. Yeah, I won't spend too much time, but – do yourself a favor and look into uh, Josh Robinson's story because um, if you're not excited about that pick after hearing the kind of guy he is, you will be. They got a lineman very late in the draft, um, mm -hmm. and it, there are reports that Gosner Cherilis might not be ready for a while. Um, but I think that those are probably kind of debunked a little bit by them not taking a tackle when there were a lot on the board yeah. in the second round, which they traded out of. In the third round, there were still some available. So, Ursay talked about addressing the problem internally, which didn't get me too excited because internally is a guy who a lot of media members around here like. I'm not really high on Joe Wrights, um, the guy who's a concussion waiting to happen. Um, and you're looking at guys – like Muhort, which is probably the reason they waited on mm -hmm. taking a lineman pretty high because he took him in the second round last year. And he has the ability to play almost every offensive line. Yeah. You got Harriman's in the offseason. That's got, a big pickup. You know, so offensive line I don't think was really that big of a need when you consider – plus Dorsett's going to help with the offensive line, you would think, because it gives Andrew another target where he doesn't have to hold the ball as long. Yeah. Plus, he doesn't have Reggie out there who takes a lot of time to get free. Don't yeah. have to look there. So, I think Dorsett helps the team not only on offense, but he keeps you, – you would think that his addition is going to be able to keep the defense off the field as long. Um, the only – wrap-up NFL draft, the only, the only thing that I think about the draft that I might have done is – Denver traded up to go get Shane Ray because he was still sitting there. I probably would have given up what they gave up, which I believe was they flip-flopped first and gave a four and a five yeah. to go up and get the second or third best pass rusher in the draft. I probably would have did that. Mm -hmm. um, but that's my real only beef of the whole Colts draft. Yeah. Um, they Like you said, they hit all their needs. Um, I would have liked some of those needs to be hit higher up in the draft. And, you know, even today they signed three undrafted guys and one of them's an outside linebacker that was projected in the fifth round. So, I mean, I, they hit all their needs. Can't complain too much. First pick was a little worrisome, but um, Pagano and Grigson promised after that first pick they were going to fix the defense, and maybe they did. Josh, yeah, you'd hope so. Thoughts? Uh, I think, like James said, you know, the first-round pick usually kind of address the top need, and I think we all agree on that. But at the end of the day, I think they pretty much got the job done, and, you know, they addressed all the needs later in the draft. And, you know, who's to say that those, you know, 
fifth and sixth round or fourth, fifth and sixth round picks won't be any studs in there anyway. So hopefully it all works out. You know, I, I'd like to think Grixon knows more than we do. So he, the one thing you do kind of like is they gave us their plan and they stuck to it. They um, said at the, before the draft started that they're going to take the best available that they wanted. They so. said best available, yeah. and I think a thing that uh, fans didn't think about was a lot of the time on defense you're reaching, mm -hmm. and we saw what this team got when they reached. They got Bjorn Warner when they reached for a player, and I don't know about you guys, but I'm still waiting on Bjorn Warner to have a first-round impact on the team. Um, and another thing after I looked at it was over Grigson's time here, he's had a very uh, successful track record of locating offensive talent mm -hmm. and hitting on that offensive talent. So that's another thing when I looked at Philip Dorsett that I kind of liked is Grigson has the ability to identify an offensive playmaker and get that offensive playmaker, T.Y. Hilton. Dwayne Allen, Vic Ballard. Fleener. Fleener. Yeah, you're right. Um, so, he's shown that his that his defensive identity is a lot worse than his offensive identity. Montori Hughes was a guy who he traded up to get who's been an okay player. They're pretty high on him. Josh Chapman's a pretty good player. Um, so, I think the jury's still out on Grigson as a defensive scout. But his offense, his offensive scouting abilities are pretty high, and that was another reason why I was okay with the pick after yeah. I sat down and thought about it. So, you know, there were names that, that were there. Um, a lot of stuff that happened over the time of the draft that sent players down the board, sent players up the board, um, which seemed like this this team's going to pick this player. Nope, they pass him. You know, you had Randy Gregory, who's was at one time thought of as a top five pick, and he went number sixty to the Cowboys, which is a perfect place for him with all the knuckleheads that they have on that team. Um, but overall, NFL draft, I'm glad it's over because it's it's kind of a headache to hear about it for definitely from is. February, whenever the Super Bowl was. That's when draft stuff starts. We don't have to hear about Mariota versus Winston anymore. Um, I am super stoked that Mariota is in the Colts division. That means they can win the division for 10 more years unless Blake Bortles turns into Joe Montana or – I think Blake Bortles would be really good, if to be honest with you. Houston figures out the quarterback situation, I think the Colts are good for another <laughs> yeah, I don't th 10 years. I don't think they did anything in the draft to work on their quarterback situation. You are kind of afraid, you know, whenever you play a team, whether it be – in your division or in your conference or your non-conference opponents, you always look to see who they draft. Mm -hmm. um, Jets, I thought, had a pretty good draft. Yep, the defense, really defense is going to be really good next year. Um, Denver, of course, got Shane Ray. We mentioned mm -hmm. that. Um, Miami got some good players. You Pittsburgh got my guy. Pittsburgh got a got the guy who Red was really high on, Bud Dupree. Yeah. Falcons got the hometown hero. Falcons got Tevin Coleman. You play him, he has a chance to kind of prove everybody wrong, if you will. Um, New England, of course, they get the big D tackle. You'll see there. Uh, so guys who the Colts passed up have the chance to 
come back and get the team. <laughs> Make them pay. Which you really don't want to see. But um, I I would have liked with all the picks they had to see them go up, but I, I really don't have any complaints. No. If I had um, one more suggestion is uh, Colts follow the situation on Lael Collins. If uh, nothing comes of that, um, I don't see any problem in picking him yeah, up. Yeah, another, another weird another situation. Um, you had two guys who were projected really high picks that one slipped almost to, almost to, the, to third. the end of the second round yeah. and the other went completely undrafted yeah. because of things going on outside of football. Um, and that just shows you, you know, Shane Ray, arguable top ten pick, slides all the way to the 20s yeah. because he gets busted for pot the Monday leading up to the draft. Um, Randy Gregory, a lot of people think he's a nutcase off the field. <laughs> that's, he had, yeah, that's he really had weird. The, um, the positive test at the combine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of people talked about it, but the first question you ask them is, are you stupid? Mm-hmm. Millions of dollars you're mm-hmm. dealing with. And you couldn't wait to um, to get your joint or yeah. whatever. Just, you know, a day, a few days, a week. Um, but it was an exciting draft. I, I thought it was pretty exciting once Jameis got picked and Tampa did everybody a favor by announcing their pick pretty yeah, early on yeah, in the process did, yeah. and basically got the draft going. Um, and Jacksonville, I didn't mention the Jaguars. They got pretty strong in the draft. They got some really good players. So yeah. I think the AFC South improved. I think the AFC improved. Um so now you look to OTAs, I think, have started. Uh, training camp will be happening in a couple months. Um, yeah, this is. So you'll start to see everybody's picks yeah. kind of come together. Now, this is. This see is what you got. This is a really bad portion for the NFL. Uh, this is when literally nothing is happening. And the only news there is is bad news when players get arrested. So. It was a really, really, really bad offseason last year. Uh, we'll see how this one works out for him. Best wishes, Goodell. Yeah, you got some time for players to screw up. Yeah. And it'll happen inevitably. So, from here until whenever training camp opens up, you'll see yep. what your roster really looks like <laughs> with all the arrests and hope your players make it through without any arrests. Um I don't think we talked about the Colts schedule since it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you guys see on the now that the draft is over? Now that you can get a better sense of where the team's at, what do you guys think about the schedule? Um, and what are your predictions right now? On well, the at Colts? one point they play uh, three out of the in a four-week span. They play what is it, James? Three, three of the greatest three of, quarterbacks three of, of all the greatest time. of all time. You get Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, and Drew, and Drew Brees. Brees, and they're all home games. So. You know, they caught a break there. Um, Personally, I see, because I literally am to the point that I can't believe they'll do anything other than 11-5. and So I'll go with 11-5. and Um, Fourth year in a row. Fourth year in a row, yeah. I see a lost opening week at Buffalo. I see them losing to the Panthers, the Steelers, the Patriots. And I have a feeling they'll drop one division game. I don't know which one it'll be, but. There'll be an upset somewhere in there to put them to 11-5. and five. Josh, Colt's schedule? I, I think there's no way they don't go at least 11-5 and five again. There's 
it favors them so much. I mean, I mean, they're playing, you know, Mariota twice a year. They're playing a, I guess, figuratively quarterbackless Texans twice a year. A trio of Brian Hoyer, Ryan Mallett, and Tommy Savage. Yeah. One of those three. I mean, they could easily go, you know, twelve and four again, or not again, but twelve and four, or even thirteen and three, just depending on how they play against New England and uh, the Saints and Denver. I mean. Those three games are key in uh, the whole season. So I, I think they could go 13-3, and three and that's kind of what my gut feeling is right now. I mean, the, the team's improved. Uh, I think they finally get out of that 11-5 and five, uh, that 11 and five schedule season. Brian will tell you I carry the torch for the team um, <laughs> when, I, when I go with my records. If, if this team doesn't win 12 games, then there's a problem. Yeah. With how good that offense The schedule's got. weak. Um, a lot of your games against tough opponents are either early on or indoors. Mm-hmm. You don't play Buffalo in the cold. I'm I'm not as high on Buffalo as some people are. Um, Falcons will be indoors. Your NFC opponent this year, you don't think you have to worry about too much. You'll you'll see Jamison, Tampa Bay. Um, New Orleans without Jimmy Graham is going to help considerably. Yeah, it's at home, so I think if this team doesn't win twelve, I got thirteen and three, um, and if they don't win twelve games, there's a problem. I think just because of how weak the schedule looks on paper, the offense is too good for anybody to go toe to toe with them. So it's going to take a team with an immaculate defensive effort to oh, stop yeah. the Colts. No and doubt. you know, I like Bill Belichick just as much as anybody, but. You can't tell me that that team didn't get a lot worse. Yeah. You know, that was – I was going to ask you guys a question because as as much as the Patriots lost and Peyton's another year older, Steelers didn't show us anything last year besides the game against I was going to say us. they showed the Colts a lot. Besides the game against the Colts, what record do you think the Colts need to get home field advantage? Because I think 12-4 and four will get it done. Probably 12-4. and four. Uh – I think the AFC East is still terrible. You know, I, I'm not high on the division like some people. I, I think the Patriots are still going to be the class of the division just because until you beat them, they're always going to have the Colts number. Yeah. I think 13 definitely gets you home field, but I think 12, like you guys said, is realistic for home field. Uh-huh. Um, but I think I, I think if you – it's kind of like the Pacers toward the end of the year where you, if you win 13, if you're the Colts, you don't have to ask for help. If you win 13, then I think you're kind of good for home field throughout with the road to the Super Bowl going through Lucas Oil. I think if you win 12, you're going to have to If you win 12 and you won home field, you have to beat the Patriots when they come to town during the season. That's how I see it. I Gain think, the timebreaker. Yeah, I think if you don't beat the Patriots this year, somebody's going to have to answer <laughs> for their sins. Somebody needs to. Um, you know, because I don't even think it'll take a competitive game. Well, maybe maybe say will be okay if they actually play competitive against them. Um, but they've showed the inability to play competitive against this team since Luck has been here. So, I mean, I guess until something changes, I think I'll still roll with New England. Um, just for the simple fact that all the pieces are still there that 
have given Luck nightmares and given all three of us nightmares. Yeah. Nothing's changed in that department. Um, so I don't think I can pick them over the Patriots just yet. Mm-hmm. Um, because until Tom Brady's off that team, he can turn you, me, or Jay into a good receiver <laughs> down there. Um, and the defense, while I think the secondary is going to be really bad this year, the front seven's still really good, really talented. But like I said, I think twelve, you gotta, you're going to need some help from other teams. Thirteen, I think you can control your own destiny, as they say. Um, NBA playoffs have been really exciting. Yeah. First first round officially ended last night with an amazing Clippers-Spurs game. Arguably one of the best games ever. What do you guys think of the first round so far, how it's kind of played out? I think it kind of played out how we kind of expected, except I did expect the Spurs to win that series. Um, I think the Clippers shut everybody up that uh, criticized yeah. them over the years. You got to credit them now. They just knocked out the defending champions, especially Chris Paul and Blake Griffin for all the criticism they've had over the years about not being able to close out playoff games or win a playoff game and all that. So, you know, I'm happy for both of them. Yeah. Um, biggest shock to me was the Nets winning two games against the Hawks. It kind of opened my eyes to who the Hawks are. And I don't like them anymore. <laughs> they did double them by 50-something, I think, in the closeout game. No, that was uh, Bulls-Bucks, 54. That was – 54 points. <laughs> Man. You no. earned a couple suspensions. Man. Uh, you can't – tap. we learned – well, I think Giannis learned that you can't, like, tackle somebody in basketball. Into the stands. Um, I hope he learned. So the Packers might be calling him in his in the future. Yeah, yeah. If they're put down him, a put, linebacker or a safety. <laughs> put him at safety. Those big hands will catch a few balls. It it played out all chalk like I thought it mm. would, except for the um, Clippers Spurs. No, that was chalk. You thought it was the um, well. I thought the Spurs would win, but. The higher seed ended up winning. Well, yeah, I know what you mean by um, that. I thought you had the Spurs. Toronto there. and Washington was the only one that yeah. lower seed won. And I, I think it was pretty expected. I didn't c- expect the Bucks to be as competitive as they were. I think you got to give a lot of credit to Jason Kidd, the way he was able to um, compete against the Bulls. Sets up some really good matchups. We just watched the Wizards beat the Hawks in game one of the series. Mm-hmm. You got – Golden State coming up. With Memphis. With Memphis. Great which is series. Going to be a really good series, especially if Mike Conley can get back on the court. Um, I, I think the series I'm most excited about is Bulls-Cavs. Absolutely. I think everybody is. You know, um, I guess some people could probably pick Rockets-Clippers. Um, I don't know how Josh feels, but me and you, Mark, we talked about it before starting this show. Neither of us are very excited about that. You have a uh, – Two really whiny teams that uh, may get themselves uh, a lot of booze with all the hacking they do. Um, you know, Mark's not a fan of the Clippers at all. Um, I've always kind of given DeAndre Jordan a lot of credit. Um, I don't know how much he deserves anymore. I've never been a Rockets fan. So I'm not really excited about that series so much. Um, 
I guess especially for Pacers fans and stuff because the two teams are so familiar in the division. Cavs Bulls has to be it. I think the Rockets Clippers series. I think it. I think it'll live up to the expectations. But I'm still all in on the Cavs Bulls series. Yeah. I'm really excited to see that. I'm excited to see how you know Derrick Rose plays in that, and seeing if the Bulls can finally you know make a charge toward another NBA title because I know those fans in Chicago would uh, go completely insane if that happened this year, especially with the possibility of them losing players like Jimmy Butler and stuff like that. Yeah. So I'm interested in seeing that series more than I am the uh, Rockets Clippers, but I'm not going to say I'm not excited for that either. You got, you know, what might happen to Tom Thibodeau after the year. Him, by all accounts, maybe being out of that job. Mm-hmm. Um, Derrick Rose looks to be back to almost as healthy as he was when he won the MVP award. You got Kevin Love out. He's done. Of the playoffs. For six months, isn't it? Yeah. Um, the Bulls are banged up, of course. But I think they got too much depth on the front line, even with their injuries, to overcome Tristan Thompson, Timothy Mosgov. No love is going to really hurt that team because they lose the inability now to stretch the floor because Tristan Thompson, you know, definitely isn't going to see any touches behind the three-point line. So I, I think this the series where Cleveland still might have the two best players in the series, mm-hmm. um, they don't have the best team. And – I think they're really going to lose a lot of firepower without Kevin Love out on the floor. And, you know, J.R. Smith, I believe, is also out the first two games of the series. Yeah, first two games he can't play because um, he went whatever he went. Mayweather back, yeah. He had the the best punch of the week. (laughs) So – if I had to pick right now, I'd probably pick the Bulls. And I think it'd be the first time in a really long time that Kobe, Duncan, Wade, or LeBron haven't been in the finals. Mm-hmm. First time in a really long time. But with uh, with Spurs out, we're going to have a new champion. That's always exciting. Yes, it is. I, I wish we could skip right over the Houston Clippers series because probably going to be the most technical fouls in a playoff series history from all the whining that these two teams are going to do back and forth to the refs. I hope Joe Crawford's reffing so he can get them under control and stop get all that. Tony Brothers out there, too. The whiny, just, man. The bad thing is both of the best players on the two teams are the ones that whine the most. Yeah. You know, you know I was just sitting here thinking, Mark, while you were talking there, every single team left is banged up. Um. Bulls are banked. They're far from healthy. Derrick Rose is just coming back, but he's playing well. Um, Noah's got a knee hamstring issue going on. Cavs lost Kevin Love, and, you know, they got their suspension to deal with. Um, Golden State's been banged up all year with David Lee and Bogut. You know, they get hurt seemingly every other game. Rockets don't have Patrick Beverly. Clippers, Chris Paul just messed his hamstring up somehow um walking up the court and to see other rockets dwight howard missed most of the season you know it's cra- it's 
it's so crazy to think about. No Beverly the, for the Rockets. Conley's out for the Grizzlies. Everybody's missing something. So it kind of stinks that all these series are going to happen without these teams at full power. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how that affects all the series. So if, if you had to pick the series winners real quick to advance to the next round? Okay, I'll go Warriors in seven because I really want that to go to seven. Um, I'll go Rockets in five. I will go Cavs in six and Wizards in five. Jay? Uh, give me Hawks in seven. Um, give me the Clippers in six. I'll take the Bulls in seven. And then give me the Grizzlies in six. Ooh. I'm going to take the Bulls. Wizards in Atlanta. We just watched Bradley Beal get injured. We'll have to see on that. Yeah. Um, I think I'm going to take the Hawks in that one. That'll set up a kind of meh yeah, just, Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, that'll be it. pretty uneventful. Um, the two teams I despise, Houston and Clippers. I, I think I'll take the Rockets because of James Harden. But, man, it's going to be brutal watching this series with mm-hmm. DeAndre Jordan and Dwight Howard shooting free throws. Yeah, it will. I think I'll take the Rockets and then – I want a so bad pick, Grizzlies. I think without Mike Conley, though, I think Golden State's gonna get, gonna get them, uh, just because of Mike Conley's injury. A team that didn't make the playoffs made big news this week. Mm-hmm. OKC they fire Scott Brooks and hire Billy Donovan. Yeah, I didn't really see it coming when they made the firing uh, news, but I don't really hate it. Um, I thought back in 07 when Donovan was supposed to become the Magic coach that he deserved it, and then he kind of just backed out on him after being announced. Um, we'll see how it works out, though. Seemed yeah. a little harsh to me when uh, two of your best players or two your two best players on the team were hurt uh, 70% of the year. Yeah. One of them was hurt the, uh, almost the entire year, and then Russell Westbrook was out for a few months with the broken – at the beginning of the season he had something. And happened. your third best player missed a lot of time. Serge Ibaka. Yeah. yeah. It, it shows how cutthroat of a, of a league the NBA is when you can lose the MVP, an MVP candidate, and arguably the best defender in the league and get fired because you don't make the playoffs in the Western Conference. By one game. By one game. Um, I don't really like the move. I think Billy Donovan's a pretty good coach, but I think teams are starting to fall a little bit too in love with these college, college guys. Yeah. Um, and we, we've seen Brad Stevens do a hell of a job in Boston. They're trying to get that out of Donovan. It's going to help him that he's coming to a team with Durant, Westbrook, and Ibaka on the team, you know, Enos Cantor. Um, that, that's going to help. They're going to have a, a lottery pick, so you never know what's going to happen there. Um, I, I was kind of surprised. Scott Brooks was really successful there. He, he'll get another job probably this season with one of the teams that will have a vacancy, mm-hmm. so you can't feel too bad for him. 
Yeah, I mean, he's going to land somewhere. I don't know where. Uh, don't really know the openings off the top of my head, but he at least deserves something. I mean, I think we all agree there. So, around here, you know, you got – we're waiting still for draft lottery night or whatever the hell they call it to <laughs> see if that .005% ball is going to bounce our way. Well, we can pray. Oh, we're going to go ahead. Or whatever our small percentage is. Yeah, I think, I think it is half of <laughs> half of a tenth half of a percent. percent. Yeah, we win something. the uh, Jalil Okafor lottery. <laughs> so – we're waiting on that around here. Basketball, slow news. You're seeing the Colts predicted anywhere from 11 to 13, mm-hmm. realistically. If the basketball gods could get in our corner just once. <laughs> Give us Cavs luck. That'd be nice. Um, just to get one of the 38 first picks they've had over the past years. Colts are going to be right there right there in the middle. Mm-hmm. Or Pacers, I'm sorry. Right where we didn't want them to be. We call basketball hell all the time. Purgatory. Just bad enough to miss the playoffs, but too good to really stink. Yeah. So, you know, you're waiting to see there. There is always, I guess, the tiny minute chance. Yeah, you got the chances there, but it's not good. That it bounces your way and you get somebody to replace that guy that plays in the middle for the Pacers. Yeah. Um. You're still waiting to see on I, – I mean, you're not waiting to see your – you're counting down to when he accepts his player option or exercises his player option. Um, so, on the basketball front, kind of boring right now. And I think, I think by having the Pacers out of the playoffs, it's really made the playoffs kind of me disinterested in them. Yeah. I'm not as interested as maybe I should be because my team's not in and because my team missed because their best player had an almost season ending injury mm-hmm. uh, on your I, birthday. I think it's just kind of been kind of been a eh season. Playoffs have been pretty exciting, but I haven't really watched much of it. Yeah, if it if, if there's nothing else on, I'm tuning in. Um complete honesty, I've been watching a lot more hockey. So it's one just, one player that you guys would target if you're the Pacers? Uh, I think everybody's heard it already. Trey Lyles. Josh? Trey Lyles or Frank Kaminsky? I like Frank the Tank. I like Trey Lyles. Um, I, I'm not really high on Miles Turner. No, I don't, I don't like that. I wouldn't go that direction if I was the blue and gold. Um, he, he kind of addresses what they want to go to. I'm a lot – higher on Trey Lyles than a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I argue on Twitter a lot about it. Um, but, man, basketball guys, throw me a bone just once. <laughs> just throw me one bone. Throw me a top five bone. I'll take top five at this point. Just throw me a bone one time. And, yeah, don't take Kelly Oubre either. Yeah, stay far away from Kelly Oubre for the Pacers. We They had this predicament one time, once before when it was with a Kansas – forward and luckily they passed on it and were rewarded Mm -hmm. so the fight last night i didn't watch it as i said what do you guys think overall about the fight uh obviously everyone has heard already mayweather won continues his winning streak um 
what did you guys think overall about the fight, how it kind of played out? I think Pacquiao came out – he came out aggressive near the uh, at the beginning, you know, but Floyd's a little too fast for him, and I think everybody knew that that was going to be the case. But, man, it's just an art form just watching him move around. I mean, a lot of people said he ducked him and all that, but, you know, that's just the way he fights. And, I mean, a lot of people tuned in, and it was like their first ever Floyd Mayweather fight for some odd reason because of the, you know – how big the fight was. So they were like, oh, well, boxing's boring and all that. Well, that's because most it of was, those people. It was Floyd Mayweather. That's why. Yeah, he doesn't are, put on. Just like they say, he doesn't throw a lot of jabs. He doesn't throw. Yeah. He threw a couple, though, uh, pretty big power oh, yeah. punches last night that uh, rocked Manny there for a second. From what I did see, it looked like both landed a few good shots yeah, they on did. each yeah. other. Um, I think the thing was is, like, and I don't know if it was just him you know, playing it off. But any time, you know, Manny would throw and hit him, Floyd would just look at him and shake his head and say, nope, and just kept saying, nope. You never want to watch or watch. You never want to follow something like this on Twitter because you people get start letting their opinions yep. kind of dictate the fight. And another thing, too, is that most of those people that put it out on Twitter that are watching the fight let the crowd, you know, judge the fight for them because when there's you know all of a sudden there's combinations being thrown the crowd starts going wild people like oh no here here it comes it's about to start getting crazy and and then they lean one way they're saying oh Pacquiao's winning now and they don't take any of the other rounds into account too so that's one of the things that kind of stinks about social media what was the overall vibe of the um arena oh it was was, I mean you had a lot of people there that weren't necessarily boxing fans but were there because of the spectacle, yeah. I mean, um, it was rocking. Yeah, there was. I mean, there's a lot of noise going on, but uh, it's kind of like you said. It's not your traditional boxing fan. You know, a traditional boxing fan isn't dropping forty five hundred dollars for that. They you know, don't you have probably, it. You probably had five people there for the event, as opposed for every one. Uh, yeah. Boxing fan. Yeah. The, the crowd chanted Manny for the entire fight. Um, yeah. Which, which is probably expected yeah. yeah mayweather he's the he's the villain i think in the every only th- boxing fight the only thing to say after the fight was it was boxing's eulogy might um, very well been because that was the fight that everybody thought could save boxing and it didn't live up to the expectations and you know with mma and ufc you know bellator all of those things i find more exciting wwe <laughs> I'm sure 99% of, well, not 99%, but probably close to uh, 90% of the population feels that UFC and MMA is far more they've, exciting They've taken than over, yeah. It's just it, like we, me and Josh talked about it after the event last night. Um, MMA is so much easier to follow because There's it's just, organized. Yeah. You know what's going on. There's one league to watch, you know, boxing. They unified, I think, six belts last night down into three or two. Something. There's just so many belts, and it's just like they lose their prestige because there's so many of them. Yeah. And your heavyweight is a non-American who is unbeatable. Yeah. I mean, that was the last – I mean, he's the first name you think of of current heavyweight guys, and, you know, he's not, he's no, he's nothing to follow. So, yeah, it's – it's dead in 95% of countries right now. So Mayweather has one more Showtime fight on his contract, I believe. That'll yep, be September. 49-0. and 0. 
then tie Rocky Marciano's record. Then he'll break away from the um, boxing world. Showtime. I think he'll go for 50. Oh, he said he, he wasn't. He's been saying for about five years now. Well, that you know. Oh, you always have the two option. Total different things. Yeah. Um, I have a feeling he's done. And the money he'll be able to command for 50 and 0 from oh, yeah. whoever. You, I mean. Brett Favre said he was done probably seven times before he. You always got to yeah, before he stopped. You always have to take a professional athlete with a grain of salt when they say they're done. So, we'll see. Um, we'll get our answer in September when we see after the fight what he says. But I mean, he's remained pretty consistent. So, I think it's about fifty-fifty chance. Plus, there's now. one thing we know about Floyd, and that's that he loves money. Yes, he does. And he's not going <laughs> to turn it down. But that's what kind of makes me think he doesn't really care about. You know, the prestige of being 50 and 0 and breaking Rocky Marciano. He's record. not going to turn down 400, 450, <laughs> bringing in that $500 million. Dollars. Well, if that's the case, then he better get to sign uh, on that dotted line. For one fight that. Yeah. They, you know, uh, you know, speaking of this, they just tweeted out a picture of the envelopes with their checks in it and supposedly 200 million in his. I got to see Mark's face when I tell him this. Mark, do you know how much Floyd made a second last night? Probably about 180 grand. $86,000 a second. And I'm paying off. We're paying off uh, student loans. I literally could have paid off student loans (laughs) in a second. I wish my parents would have put me in boxing. So (laughs) the the fight is over, thankfully for me, because I don't have to hear about it anymore. Yeah, this past Uh, week was a little. It got so. Just too much, you know. People that know nothing about boxing. Talking about it twenty four seven, it's it kind of gets old. Um, sport, I'm much more interested. Baseball, we're we're twenty plus games in, yeah. and the series the season's getting really excited. What do you guys, um, you know, twenty four, twenty five games in now? What are your expectations on what teams look like? I know a team we were really high on, Nationals. They're still they, kind of eh. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of a surprise, I think. Josh, we haven't talked much baseball with you since the um, prediction show months ago. Yes. What's your overall kind of feel on the season right now, 24, 25 games in? Oh, I'm thoroughly enjoying this baseball season thus far. I don't know if uh, you guys can say the same, but I enjoy watching that Cubs team and enjoying all the stuff that comes around them. I know Mark's not the biggest Cubs fan in the world, but – it's just exciting to see, you know, all the expectations that they were supposed to live up to. Um, you know, Chris Bryant coming in finally and playing pretty well, batting around 320 right now. Still has yet to hit a home run, but things are getting really exciting. They're, I mean, you know, baseball is having all these great players coming up. You know, you have the Mike Trouts and Giancarlo Stantons, uh, Chris Bryant. You know, it, it's getting really exciting. And, you know, baseball is back, coming back, so I could be, I couldn't be happier. My team's middle of the pack, <laughs> 12 and 12, um, with probably us three pitching probably 18 wins. Um, I think it's also shocking, I guess I should also mention that, uh, you know, Clayton Kershaw, everybody's favorite pitcher, started off kind of he's, slow. He's, up around, he's still up around a four ERA. Yeah. Each game I watch of my pitching, I cringe, I get sick, <laughs> I get ill. Doesn't matter if it's starters or bullpen. I start to get really sick when I watch my team. Josh, your team leading the division, fifteen and nine. 
A Rod hit 660 the other night. 660, and a lot of people still tweeting about the asterisk by it. Whatever. It's um, Mark it, Teixeira playing well. Teixeira's playing really well. Um, that whole, that whole uh, I mean, the pitching could be better. You know, CC Zabathia, you know, they might have to either. You got a lot of money tied up there uh, with Sabathia. It's. A lot of people always talk about well, pitching, dominating offense. The offenses are scoring a lot of runs yeah. right now. Scherzer's doing really well, but he's one and three. Pitchers aren't really dominating right now, um, and the weather's not even – it's not even warm yet. No. Balls are flying out, and it's not even warm yet. Yeah. So, I think we're in for a year of – we're, we're going to see a lot of runs, I believe, this year. You mentioned with all the guys we got coming up. My uh, my personal favorite player, Josh Donaldson, playing extremely well with his new team in Toronto. You got Chris so shout Bryant. Out to him. Yep. Chris Bryant, um, yep. Addison Russell hit a home run before Chris Bryant. Yeah. He hit his first. You got Javi Baez, which you would assume we'll see sometime this year in the bigs. Jose Abreu. Jose Abreu's coming on strong. Mookie Betts is having a good year in Boston. Henley Ramirez is absolutely crushing the ball right now. Nelson Cruz is crushing the ball right now. Um, the the pitching is definitely behind the offense right now, and I think it's it's kind of refreshing to fans, yeah, to see teams hitting the ball as opposed to seven innings, no hit. Here comes another. Pitcher carrying a perfect game into the sixth inning. Yep. You know, a lot of a lot of casual fans like to see what we're seeing right now with offense really carrying the league. And I think with the amount of young stars you got coming, I don't see any change to it. You know, this season especially. Speaking yeah. of pitching, I was meaning to ask you this, Mark. What are your thoughts on Chris Sale this season so far? Come back from a tough injury. Um, a lot of White Sox fans are. Uh, Getting pretty upset, so. Hey, send him my way. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, you will literally take any picture if, you, right if now. you're upset with your current staff, call call me up. I'll make the deal happen. Send them my call way. Call Mark Tinsley Incorporated. Because, um, you know, I think before Clay Buckholt's last okay outing and Rick Porcello's last okay outing, I think my lowest DRA was just under five. And that's not going to get the job done, boys. Can we talk about James' team? Well, we've talked about. Yeah, the Cubs—they're. Uh, I'm just kidding. I don't have a team this year. We're your old they team. You know, James Brewers are struggling, team. but you know, <laughs> injuries. Hey, um, listen. I saw something that gave me hope last year. The Pirates, at this point, were nine games back in the division. They were a playoff team. Brewers are ten and a half back, and we just got to start doing everything right. Literally everything. They're doing hey, everything wrong you know, right now. As I've told you for weeks now, you want the bar set low because you can't get any work. <laughs> I keep telling you that. <laughs> well, we're heading right to that number one pick, so I need to start looking at prospects. And, hey, there's no draft lottery. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you don't have to hope a ball bounces your way. Yeah. If you're the worst team, you get the number one pick. Yeah. James mentioned – It's, it's kind of crazy, though, because even with the terrible – terrible team I follow um I'm still enjoying the season 
think the story is like what you guys talked about, all the young guys coming up. D. It's Gordon's just, really exciting. Yeah, I mean. It's just exciting yeah. time to be a baseball fan. Yeah, the, the, the change from great batting from the past, I don't know, it's been at least a few handful of years. Um, that pitching's dominated where we've had so many no-hitters and perfect games and almost perfect games and so on. It's kind of refreshing, even to us that really, really enjoy watching the sport, to see how well everybody's hitting the ball. About another minute here, um, our World Series predictions. I had Sox versus Nationals. Nationals are really boat anchoring me right now. Yeah. Um, Josh, you had Angels Nationals. I don't really know how that's going for you. Uh, well, it could be better. Yeah, and I had Nationals and White Sox. Oh, so we all, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Nationals were everyone's pick going in. Oh, yeah. We all had Nationals in there. And um, not so much so far. They, yeah, they got a lot of stuff to fix, a lot. And they better figure it out by the end of this month or – our yeah, picks are done. A lot of teams have a lot of things to figure out. I mean, the Pirates, Andrew McCutcheon's batting under 200. It's, uh, I mean, it's real. Some things are really weird, and some things are, you know, yeah. the way that you expect it. You, know, you got the Astros at 17 and 7. The Mets lead their division. Just a lot of stuff you did not expect. The Astros are tied for the best record in baseball. It's May. Yeah, still a lot of time to go. Well, you got about uh, 135 games left, 140. 140 there you have it. Games, yeah. Guys, we wanted to go a little longer since we haven't gotten one of these out. Yep. We graduate this week, so we'll see when um, our next one will be coming out. That's been it, HTTH Podcast. Again, follow us on Twitter. I'm at Mark Tinsley Jr. James is at JRHAL92. Josh is at I'm Josh Heath. Follow Brian at BT5042. And, of course, the podcast at the HTTH Podcast. We'll have an announcement for a giveaway on there sometime soon. Click on the httpodcast.com for all of our recent episodes, articles going up. We'll get something up there soon. Other than that, we'll talk to you again soon. Peace.